Welcome, everyone, and thank you so very much for joining me on another episode of Talking Cloud. Now, you know, this is where we talk about cloud, all things cloud, anything cloud. And man, oh, man, it is such an enormous word today. Anything that's got to do with computing, we are very likely going to be talking about cloud. Now, I've said it many, many times on this program, and I'll say it again. I am no expert, but I do know where to find them, and I'm really excited today. We got another great one. This guy's very seasoned, very experienced. You know, uh, Dustin, gosh, I noticed he started out, at least his profile starts out years ago as a senior technical instructor for a company I just spoke about on another event, Cadence, uh, uh, Cadence Design Systems. And he's since been through a myriad of technical roles. He spent a handful of years uh, running professional services for Quest. He was director of IT at a little company you may have heard of, EMC. Uh, he was actually in the public service for a time, it looks like, helping Portland Public Schools as director of information technology. Uh, VP Product Operations Platform and Strategy at NWEA. Man, oh man, uh, Vice President of DevOps and Technical Operations at Smarsh. Then he went on and spent a few years as CTO EvoTech Labs and Executive Director of Platform Engineering DevOps and Cloud. And in the last year, he's been, or just under a year, the field CTO, cloud services for InterVision Systems. And so this is going to be an awesome conversation, I can tell already, with as much stuff has been shifting left in terms of security and cloud and this pandemic and the acceleration to the cloud and digital transformation. I'm really super excited to introduce, ladies and gentlemen, I've got Dustin Milberg, again, field CTO, cloud services for InterVision Systems. Dustin, welcome to the program. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, it's awesome that you made time for us. Thank you. Just reading through the uh, very impressive background, why don't you give some Z-axes for the audience? Tell them a little bit about yourself and, and where your specialties lie. Yeah, so, I mean, you kind of hit on the career outline there, you know, off the page, where I really started to get uh, particularly interested in this concept of software engineering, software development was the time I spent spent at Quest Software, and you know Quest has gone through a number of iterations. They were a standalone company. They got acquired by Dell, and now they're a standalone company again. And but really, my time at that organization really helped me get curious about and understand more about what goes into developing and delivering software, what goes into optimizing data, and what goes into optimizing performance. You know, And it was kind of back in the day when application performance monitoring was a little bit of a knife fight. There was, you know, everybody <laughs> and their brother had some sort of monitor that they could put on things. But, you know, the, the transformation that's taken place uh, now around not just performance, but really analytics, you know, how is it performing and what do I do with the information I've got? And a lot of these, these huge leaps and steps forward have happened as a result of the advent of public cloud providers and the, the products and services that they bring to market. And so 
um, you know, my, my tenure at Northwest Evaluation Association really helped me uh, get deeper and deeper into leveraging the cloud uh, for a really strategic level um, and, and delivering products and services out to, you know, I can't think, short of saving lives, they can't think of anything more altruistic and important than educating kids today. So um, we spent a lot of time doing that. And really harness the power of the cloud in order to uh, to bring those services to, to bear. That's terrific. So as a field CTO, elaborate a little bit on, uh, on that for me. Is that out customer-facing, engaging with clients and executives? Yeah. So given that I've walked in the shoes of, of the customers that are ultimately trying to solve many of the problems that InterVision helps focus on uh, bringing solutions to light. I, I'm kind of in a unique position to be able to speak the same language. I understand some of the same problems that they're going through and, and how to solve some of those things, or at least how I have solved them in the past. And, and you know, so bringing some of that insight into a conversation that is familiar to our customers really helps. And so I work alongside our sales organization to bring that that technical overlay into the conversation, kind of be the tip of the spear to start that conversation to help our customers really get down the avenue of beginning or furthering their cloud journey. Right. Well, and I suspect, I mean, come on, let's call a spade a spade. There's some credibility that is lent there with you on a four-legged sales call, six-legged sales call with a sales engineer, a salesperson, and yourself. I could certainly see because of your background, because you did, as you put, uh, walked in those shoes, that would be a real credibility builder for you and, and the rest of your organization when you're on a call. I'd like to think so. I, I, for sure, I know, you know, at least in the last three and a half years, four years that I've been on the consulting side of the, this conversation, uh, I, I get more head nodding now than I ever have in my career. And that means that, uh, you know, um, we're using the right decoder to to get at these problems. And kind of, the you know, the, the one thing that I think it lends itself the, the highest value proposition is that. You know, understanding the cloud and the technologies that surround it, right? We can learn those things pretty easily, but getting the people and process elements lined up behind it—that—that's the real work that any technology leader has to do. And uh, you know, helped—I've helped a couple organizations get over that hump, and it's been very rewarding in my career. Boy, I, I suspect, and I imagine, Dustin, this past year, give or take a few months, has really just accelerated. So much of the effort and activity, in fact, I think probably it's fair to say there's a, a fair number of clients that uh, ready, fire, aim in terms of supporting uh, mobile workers, remote workers, right, and how they went about securing them. And that certainly very likely also included the cloud, right? Oh, for sure. You know, um, I wrote an article a little uh, about four or five months back, and the question that I was asked to answer, and it was, well, how has COVID really affected cloud adoption? And, you know, when, when the pandemic began, everybody was just kind of on pins and needles. Am I allowed to go into a building? Can I, you know, if so, for how long? How close can I stand to somebody and for how long? And it, matter of fact, there, there were a lot of people that were just saying, I'm out. I'm, I'm not going into the data center. Well, how are we going to provision workloads? 
let's just leverage the cloud. Somebody else is already maintaining that. We can consume. And, and that's really what the cloud is about, is a, is a consumption model. It's taking what was a traditional um, purchasing problem, and then you have capacity under which you are constrained to work, and it's transformed that now into a model where organizations just consume. And they consume what they need when they need it, and when they don't need it, they can turn it off. So for many organizations, it's brought a lot of peace of mind, right? We know when we turn on the spigot, water will flow. We don't ask when it will stop. It'll stop if we don't pay our bill. But other than that, we, we expect you know water to flow or electricity to flow out of the sockets. And in, in some way, the cloud has taken what was a, you know, a problem of purchasing and capital investment and turned it into a commodity-based service, almost utility. And that is, I can imagine, especially for tech... Uh, you know, leaders in in organizations that are bringing technical products and solutions to bear and, and do marketing through the internet and reach their customers through web browsers and phone applications. You know, the cloud is a big relief, meaning they know when they turn on that faucet, the water will flow. And um, so a lot of time has been spent with helping organizations understand how to how to begin that journey, how to transform that journey, and, and how to optimize their their use and consumption and secure their use and consumption in the cloud. Yeah, and I notice I'm hearing journey, and I was actually reading through, uh, I think, an article that you posted a, a short time ago talking about the journey to the cloud is more important than the arrival. You want to elaborate on that? Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. I get asked the question a lot, and it's of all the articles I've written, that's kind of the one that tends to resurface in conversations most prominently. And you know, I kind of liken it. And any of if you've listened to any other podcasts I've done or conversations I've had, I liken it a lot to fitness. Right? You there's a, a journey to fitness, and you know, when you're you're unfit and you want to get fit, right? What do you do? You eat better. And you exercise more and then you get fit. But you don't when you get fit, you don't stop exercising and stop eating well. Right. Otherwise, you end up right back in that unfit place. And so it's not about just getting to the cloud. It's about continuing to evolve and adopt those best practices and taking advantage of the optimal things that the cloud allows you to consume that, that mean good hygiene and fitness for you and your organization. So if you start out with a, a good plan that is predicated on where are we today, where do we want to be, and how are we going to measure success, and then where are we at GAP, you know that that's really the foundational element to a successful cloud adoption, and then then that journey begins. And I'm not sure it's ever really done, right? Because even once you're you're you've got your products and services up in the cloud, there's going to be a new offering or a new innovation that comes along, or you're going to want to change what you do as an organization in response to the way your customers leverage what you bring to the market. And so you have to be continually learning and continually continually evolving your your consumption and that's really what we meant what i meant by it when i wrote the article right right you know one of the things that uh, i've heard before sometimes when you go into the cloud you're you're best off taking that etcho sketch and turning it upside down and just shaking it for a couple of minutes and just totally forgetting, you know, wiping the slate clean. And some even advocate unlearning the way you always did it and and really, truly relearning cloud native because it will ultimately 
accelerate your journey down the road. What's your thoughts on that? Well, I'll start with for our listeners that are under the age of 43 years old, and that's a sketch is a toy that most of us played with when we grew up. Uh, but, um, Thanks, Dustin. I guess I probably should have sure. some visual yeah. cues, right? And those of us who start with a 50, we can even go into deeper, uh, deeper conversation about toys we played with and what they mean to the cloud journey. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I would say, you know, everybody's journey is different and what they're trying to accomplish is different. Um, you know, so kind of, you know, let's go back to our fitness analogy, right? Some people get fit because, you know, it's doctor's orders. Others get fit because... Um, it makes them feel good. Others get fit because they're professional athletes and they, they have to perform in such a way, right? So they're all going to have different fitness regimens. And, and the same is true relative to the cloud adoption. I think that, you know, the way organizations consume the cloud it should be based on what they're trying to accomplish and what their business needs are. Some organizations are more foundational, traditional infrastructure and operations types of, of activities. And so maybe a lift and shift is going to be okay for them because their workloads aren't variable. However, a customer that buy, you know, that sells things on the internet as an e-commerce company, or maybe they've got, you know, I'll go back to my, my model of Northwest Evaluation Association. We were, you know, delivering online formative uh, assessments and interim assessments to K through 12 kids, which meant that, you know, it's benchmarking and you, you, the kids took the test three times a year. So you could, we had a three hump camel that we could pretty much predict with really high fidelity when our testing cycles were going to be high. Mm -hmm. So we had to build for, uh, you know, a scale that was extremely high. But if we were purchasing equipment to satisfy all that need, right, you'd know that the, the opposite problem would exist, which meant we had a whole bunch of unused capacity sitting idle the majority of the time, right? So to consume services and products in the cloud based on an ephemeral model like that means you do pretty much have to uh, re-platform, re-architect, and refactor for the use of cloud. And for some organizations, it is going to be really healthy to you know, forget what you know and learn what you've learned and you got to you got to really transform to this new model. Mm -hmm. But I would say that for most organizations, it's probably an iterative journey and it's going to be one of those things that over time they will evolve into that model. That means, you know, gosh, remember back when we used to do it that way. Right. But we don't do it that way anymore. Right. So I'll, I'll throw one out there. I'd love to hear your analysis, thoughts, opinions on. OK. And, and this is one I heard. And it it's all, I think, predicated and based on this elastic, almost seemingly alive, living, breathing thing we call the cloud. And it's having a philosophy or a viewpoint of your environment uh, of farm animals as opposed to pets. Right. The old data center was pets that we had servers and we took care of them. We passed them and we fed them and we nurtured them and we kept them going. And farm animals, we grow and then we kill and we grow new ones. And I heard this analogy about the cloud because things are becoming so elastic, so ephemeral, so fast, so functions uh, driven that we can really start to just build and tear down and rebuild in an iterative process as opposed to trying to nurture and maintain. I'd be curious what you think of that. It's an interesting analogy. I've never heard that one before. I think that the the thing about it is 
um, everything's a risk profile for uh, organizational leadership, right? What, what are we trying to accomplish? You know, where, what are we accomplishing today? And then how do we close that gap? And that could be everything from financial goals to um, security-based goals to mitigating risk to, you know, whatever. And how they measure that can be everything from, you know, shareholder equity to top-line revenue to bottom-line revenue, any, any of those things. But whatever you choose is your – as your factor, you know, the reality is that the cloud offers you ways to address pretty much all those business needs, right? Um, you know, they, they provide you insights into how much you're consuming. They even allow you to tag instances to see what things cost at a macro or at a micro level as well as, well as a macro level. Mm -hmm. And you can tie that back to what your organizational uh, revenue is in those different areas. And so, um, you know, and, and, and we all know that immutable deployments are far less risky than than ongoing patching and and uh, you know non-immutable deployments. So, I think that in that sense, yeah, the ability to to build and destroy at will um, certainly closes the gap on a risk perspective. Certainly more so for organizations that are a little bit further down this maturity curve that have transformed from you know monolithic. Uh, in applications to one that's at least loosely coupled service base, if not microservice base. And those organizations truly get to harness that full power that the cloud uh, provides. Yeah, to totally agree. In fact, that's kind of why I was throwing it out as a, you know, where the world could be if, when you start to consider an environment that's driven largely by code and functions you know the potential of having that environment is far greater than you know maybe if you're much earlier in the journey as you say so i think you're spot on on that so what advice i guess would you throw out i mean we've talked about some different things but just from a from a risk assessment uh, do you advocate, for example, uh, multi-cloud? Do you uh, tell them it's okay to be just in one cloud? Does that even matter? Where's the marketplace with regard to that discussion? Well, I, I would say it goes back to what are your, your goals and objectives as an organization. So part of it just depends on what you're trying to do, right? If you're in a highly regulated industry where there are mandates that your computing instances must live within a geographical boundary, that might make some decisions for you as to mm -hmm. where your workloads live and how they live. Right. You know, some organizations have, uh, you know, highly, highly stringent uh, security controls and their appetite for risk or even perceived risk is very, very low. So they may want to keep a portion of their workloads on premise. Others like that, you know, the the capital outlay model as opposed to the more op OPEX outlay model. And so they will have take a hybrid approach, but it's really based on on goals and objectives. The right. one thing that they also have to consider is the the skills and abilities of the people in their organization. And so you know, you, you, you always want to think about how do I keep technical debt down? Um, and, you know, you can consume multiple clouds and on-premise, and you can do it with one code base if you uh, really work hard at it. Um, mm -hmm. But that can also create additional risks. So 
I think it's about risk and reward profiling and making sure that organizations think about uh, the injection of complexity and the risk that that poses. Uh, I one of my uh, little memes is that uh, you know there's elegance in simplicity, and I encourage technical leaders and consumers to think about things relative to sometimes the simplest solution is is the best. Right, right. I'm proud to say I cut my teeth early helping open an Apple dealership and subsequently went to work for Apple back in the 80s. And one of the things I still remember, one of their marketing mantras was that a tool in and of itself has no inherent value. And the true value of any tool is its ease of learning and ease of use. And, I, you know, I, I, I've remembered that still to this day because I felt it was so spot on. And I think sometimes in this day and age where the complexity is so unbelievable, uh, sometimes the best way is to do it in the simplest and easiest way. And I, I, I completely agree. So I'm, I'm curious what do you hear from the marketplace, Dustin? What are you hearing as you're out uh, having your executive conversations about uh, the cloud, the satisfaction, the challenges? What are what what are the topics you're having out there? Conversations, if you can share. I think that things that are top of mind for everybody are uh, certainly security and risk mitigation. Um, so I talk a lot about how organizations can shift left, embed security by design. You know, how do you how do you architect for security? And and you know, a lot of organizations will say, oh, well, we've got DevSecOps or we've got DevOps, right? And and one of the things I encourage organizations to really think about is you know, those terms as adjectives, not as verbs or nouns. Instead, it's it's really focused more on the fact that if security and success is everybody's shared responsibility, so we're all we're all responsible for it, we're all accountable for it, um, then then you've got to insist on instilling the right behaviors and have the right supports and and processes and then align the right tooling to that in order to bring that to fruition. Right. And it starts with good design and it starts with good practice. And so um, I spent a lot of time working with organizations and having that conversation. The other area, obviously, that's top of mind is cost, especially right now with, uh, you know, in the time of uncertainty that COVID has brought and the pandemic has brought on businesses, uh, making sure that organizations can keep costs under control, have transparency around it and uh and and get the the uh get get their costs aligned with what their goals and objectives are then you know we at intervision we have products and services aimed directly at helping customers solve that remember we've got a, a product we launched just earlier this year called cloud cost optimization where we're guaranteeing our customers a minimum of 30 percent savings on their uh, monthly cloud spend mm-hmm. um, so that's that's a uh, that's very much top of mind for our customers and i think the third one and I did a podcast internally uh, with Jeff Tun at Intervision. We it's a three part, um, three part series about you know the you know cloud first means people first, and then uh, then process and then tools. And when we talked a lot about that, you know, getting organizations to move 
without really focusing heavily on the people element of this is a big mistake that a lot of organizations make. Um, and uh, so I spent a lot of time kind of coaching and, and advising technical leaders on, you know, think about the people element of this and, and the role it plays in your success or failure because um, it's ultimately going to be the thing that, that makes the biggest difference. There's no question the human element is the most significant one and personally i'm a big believer while i share the sentiments that we need to inform and educate and teach our users as much as we can i'm kind of a cynic because i really i kind of liken it more to the auto industry uh dustin I bought a brand new vehicle for my wife just a few months ago and it didn't come with any training it, it didn't come with any defensive driving courses nothing but it does have adaptive cruise control it brakes for me in emergencies it parks for me it alerts me and and will break if i don't notice something behind me it protects me from me and I really believe that will be a prevailing trend in technology, checking code before it's checked in. And, and uh, you know, you click commit behind the scenes. It's actually getting scanned and tested before it goes. As much as I think it's, it's an admirable notion that we're going to educate our users to stop being risky and, and not make mistakes, I really think it's going to be technology that that will help us what do you think well first of all people are human right and by our very nature we are we we, we will make mistakes As a matter of fact we learn much more from our mistakes than we do from our successes and i think if if anything some of those mistakes have taught us especially in an agile world where we're not you know we could be doing 50 60 100 200 500 releases a day right gone are the days where yeah. you know well, at least for mature organizations that, you know, where they, they do monthly releases or quarterly releases, those things are highly risky. Um, they put your organization in a, a place where if you have to revert, you know, the risk could be even greater. You risk data loss. Um, you, you, you can massively impact customer perception of quality. You know, so most organizations have gone to agile, more smaller, frequent releases. And, and, and so, to have somebody sitting there manually going through those security, you know, uh, tests, so whether it be static code analysis, dynamic code analysis, code coverage, code quality elements that they need to be thinking about, you can't, you just can't do that manually. There, the, the capacity simply isn't there to keep up. And so, yeah, as part of that whole approach to adopting a healthy CI/CD pipeline and tool chain, organizations that are shifting left have absolutely embedded those elements of security into the way that they behave. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's I think it's going to be a trend. I think you'll see more of it. A lot of the, the products and services that we help customers adopt and embed at Intervision are directly tied to the, that that very specific part of software development maturity. And, um, you know, it's it's eye opening, especially to legacy or, or traditional and I'm going to put air quotes around IT organizations because right. it could be anything from engineering to IT to, to both that, that they when they hear about this, they're like, oh, wow, 
why is this the first time hearing of this, right? Right. There's there's no question automation is absolutely an essential key component when you want to really move at the speed of cloud, whether it's on the DevOps side or really, I mean, in general, you, you've got to find ways to automate. I, I, I think that's really important. And the great thing is that you can in so many ways in the cloud, right? Absolutely. Whether you consume cloud-native services around building out um, CI/CD pipeline inside of you know what they have to provide you to do that, or you you harness the power of kind of best of breed individual point solutions, or you you go out for holistic package solutions along this. The the one that's the best though is the one that meets the needs of the organization with measurement in place. Um, and, and that's, that's another conversation that I have with leaders all the time is you got to keep score. Don't keep score of too many things. Uh, keep score of a, a, you know, a limited number of factors that are meaningfully help you move the needle in the direction that the business needs to go and publish those results. And when they don't make sense anymore, get rid of them, but have a way to keep score relative to your organization's adoption of, that tool chain and pipeline and, and make it transparent and course correct when you need to. And and that will also contribute to the alignment that we were talking about earlier, right? The people part and by sharing and communicating that information with the people, it, it seems like it would certainly contribute to just more effective alignment. Everybody's rowing in the same direction. A hundred percent agree with that. And that, that, that is the, uh, that is absolutely a, a leading indicator with a lagging indicator of that and which is going to feed back into that excellence uh, mantra is that you're going to have more highly satisfied employees who aren't going to be looking for new jobs yep. because you're an organization that innovates. They feel like they're working on things that are, you know, uh, are innovative and that they are working on cool new technology and they're, you know, they're not stuck in, in a, in a pit of, feeling like the work that they do never sees the light of day or if it does it's it's hard to measure and right. so um i i can't underestimate it kind of goes right back to the whole people element thing, right? We don't do these things because we're trying to displace people. And I know there's a lot of fear for many people when they hear the term automation, my job is going away. And to the contrary, right? it means you get to build those things in to, to what you do. Um, and it, it creates a, a, an opportunity for employees to grow and expand their, their value within, within the organization. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things, too, that I'll just throw out there that I really have always advocated and um, clearly Intervision is one of the types of organizations that I've long advocated. Look at the this whole space is going so bloody fast. And most of corporate America, Dustin, you know, they got this long trail right that they're dragging along with them this long it trail and subsequently trying to get up into the cloud it it's hard because there are so many little nuances and subtleties and so i'm always a big advocate to seeking out experts guys like you uh, organizations like intervision to really get help because at the end of the day uh, you you know, I, I read a good one. If you think you can't afford to pay an expert, 
uh, how do you think you can afford to get yourself out of the mess you're going to get into without the expert? You know, and what really resonates with me about that conversation, Grant, is that um, I think that um, organizations that are mature and are measurably improving and they can do it through both leading and lagging indicators of success are the ones that focus on their core competencies. So I'll give you a, kind of an example, right? If you're if you're a financial services organization, everybody you hire in the organization should be focused on that as a core competency. How do we provide our, our customers with better products and services to improve their financial standing, right? If you're in the healthcare industry, it's how are we providing patients with the best care possible? Um, <clears throat> and so I, I think about in a world where infrastructure and in many of the subsequent supports have become, you know, truly utilitarian in, in nature, that you don't need to have IT operations and infrastructure management become one of your core competencies as a, as a customer or as a, as a company, right? Instead, take those positions that you would normally, you know, focus in that area and, and up-level them and, and let them focus on that which is the core competency, transform them into software engineers that, that help build out what you're trying, the products and services you're trying to build to market. You know, our core competency at InterVision is being excellent at cloud adoption, cloud migration, cloud management, managed services in the cloud. That's our core competency. That's what we do. That's what we're in business to do. Right. So. Companies that 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 work with InterVision not only get the benefit of the core competency that we do day in and day out, they also get the benefit of us observing and seeing where or other organizations have done really well and and the pitfalls to avoid. And and I so I think that you know your your statement is directly in line with that, and that uh, I think it it makes a difference for customers as they look for the right partner with whom to um, to hitch their wagon. Yeah, I completely agree. And we did a survey towards the end of last year and found a real reprioritization. And I kind of hinted on this earlier around mobile and remote security technologies, right? Mobile and, and endpoint technologies and then bolstering public cloud and multi-cloud environments. And two additional kind of crept in, one being threat hunting, because this whole solar winds breach really rocked our world and made us go, holy moly, we need the ability to go and seek in our environment if there's anything uh, hanging around. And the other that we saw was that turning around and looking at ourselves, uh, meaning the company and, and our own software life cycle and our own supply chain, if you will. And it seems like those are, are big trends. And so I guess my question is, are those things that you're seeing as well that organizations are pivoting because so much has shifted to this remote world and everybody's, you know, go home, uh, work from home? There are going to be some industries and people that are going to be really eager to get back into the workplace, right? And there are some, like, life is full of extroverts and introverts. And, mm -hmm. and some people do better working around other people. Others do better working individually. And so, you know, I think we're going to see a mix. I, I certainly 
if if this pandemic has taught us anything, it is that organizations can work in a distributed model. And I think there are going to be organizations that find value, uh, both financial and and even in, from a productivity standpoint in their employees and allowing them to continue to have that option. There are other drivers, too. Right. I mean, at some point in time, if you don't you don't keep up with the Joneses, you're going to find yourself out of business. You know, I, one of my crack habits, Grant, is that I restore classic cars. And uh, <laughs> I had a, I had a, uh, one of the, the projects I was working on, you know, everything, it's a 1967 Ford Mustang and there's not an electronic circuit in the entire car. So the uh, speedometer cable went out on it and I couldn't find one. And, you know, anyway, there's this guy here in Portland, Oregon, who, owns a speedometer cable manufacturing company and that's all he does and i went in there and he's got this thirty-five thousand square foot warehouse and he's got 12 lifts that he rents out for people to come in and do work on their cars and then he just makes speedometer cables and i asked him yeah how many others of you are there and he said well when i started doing this business 62 years ago here in portland there were 12 of us and he said i'm the last one left wow Right. So organizations can either roll the dice and hope to be the last speedometer cable manufacturer in their industry. Right. right. Or or they can evolve and say, we're going to have to figure out how to how to transform and, and change the way we work within the technical landscape to continue to drive excellence into the market. Yeah, that's exactly right. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Well, this maybe is a perfect uh, segue to thanking you uh, because now I want to talk to you about my son's 97 Mustang that he's hoping uh, will be a classic, um, but we can talk about that at a later date. Sure, 30 more years. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah, it's nothing close to yours. Um, but anyway, hey, this has been really enjoyable. I really enjoyed talking with you, and uh, I want to thank you for joining us and sharing your expertise and wisdom. Thank you very, very much. Yeah, I enjoyed the conversation, Grant. Thanks so much. Yep. So, ladies and gentlemen, we just had a great conversation with Dustin Milberg. He's the field CTO at, for the cloud services over at Intervision Systems. And it was a great one. Again, Dustin, thank you very, very much. I really appreciate it. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you very, very much for joining us. We'll look forward to hearing you again on the next episode of Talking Cloud.